0: beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are all traveling right now, for that's our identity. Christians are pilgrims. And that name reminds us of the people who sailed across the Atlantic Ocean way back and landed in North America. They were pilgrims. We may think of other pilgrims too, those who make journeys for religious reasons, who might travel many miles to visit a shrine or temple. A pilgrim is someone who has their heart set on another destination and who is willing to undergo great hardship to get there. The Old Testament people were pilgrims too. God called them to make annual trips to Jerusalem, such as for Passover and to worship there at the temple. Psalm 121 was a song for that kind of journey. As you notice from its title, Psalm 121 is one of the songs of ascents these 15 psalms form a special collection within the psalter they were gathered together for israel's worship and probably used at the services at the temple these songs are most likely sung by the people as they ascended or traveled up to jerusalem like families sometimes sing when they're on a long road trip the israelites sang as they traveled sang with joy and longing they were glad to be going up to the city of God and wanted to get there soon. That is the message of our text from Psalm 121. It is also a powerful message for travelers like us. Pilgrims, look up to God. We'll look at one, while you're on the road, two, when you need help, three, when you're in danger, and four, in your coming and you're going. First, we'll look at point one. Look up to God while you're on the road. Each of the songs of sense gives much to meditate on. But there's something unique about Psalm 121, for this song seems to take the form of a dialogue. It is a call and a response. As the worshippers traveled in bunches along the road, one group would sing one line of the psalm, and then another group would sing the next line. Back and forth it would go. We see a hint of this dialogue in the first verse, for there the question gets asked, I lift my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? You can imagine this being asked by one group of the travelers, where does my help come from? It is a question that invites the obvious answer. Of course, these Israelites knew where their help was from. It's as if they're asking each other, who is really able to help us on the way? Shall we receive aid from mere men, like kings and princes? Should we depend on earthly things for our true security and strength? Of course not. So the answer resounds in the next verse. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. That is who will protect and save. As they lift their eyes while on the road, they look to God. They confess with joy that the Lord will grant help to his people. That is where we need to look. Notice how the worshipers say that they lift their eyes to the hills. That phrase gives a nice picture of the journey that these believers are on. They're on their way up to Jerusalem. We said they're making their way along the roads and the valleys of the countryside, coming from the north, the south, east, and west. And as they get get closer to the bigger city, their excitement grows. Now they could see the familiar mountains of Judea, Now they can catch a glimpse of the temple's shining gold. Among those hills and mountains was found the holy city and God's house. The pilgrims knew that they were almost there. We do that too when we're on a long road trip out west. Once we get past Calgary or Lethbridge, we look in the distance to see our first glimpse of the mountains. If you have children in the car, they will say, I think I see the mountains, or more annoyingly, are we there yet? The worshipers ask, we have our eyes on the hills. How much longer will it be? How soon before we reach the goal? They lift their eyes to see the temple, the earthly dwelling, the earthly dwelling place of God in Jerusalem, because that was the physical proof, the rock-solid evidence that the Lord God was with them living right among them. So they looked up with prayer that this God, with prayer that this God will bless them on the rest of their way. It's like what David sings in Psalm three: "To the Lord I cry aloud, and He answers me from His holy hill." When you need, when you and I need help, we don't look to the hills, for we know that God doesn't live on earth. In past ages, He showed His presence at Mount Zion, at Jerusalem. Yet our God remains near, he remains so close and he remains the God who wants us to seek him. He gave his son as a physical proof of his love and through Christ he wants each of us to ask, he wants each of us to humbly enter before him. So this Psalm's basic idea of being on a journey to go and meet with God isn't so out of date. For God still calls us travelers. On our way to a sure destination not headed to the earthly Jerusalem but on our way to the true presence of our God it is a journey right to the glories of the new heavens and the new earth and God says that we have to keep going to get there we're walking through the valleys we're enduring the pains and sores we're bearing up under fatigue carrying on every day and all, and the while And all the while, with eyes fixed on him, God will answer you from his holy hill. It's a journey that takes time, a journey that requires patience. Sometimes we have an idea of the Christian life being one exciting moment after another. We think that if we're not doing something interesting or worthy of being posted online, then we're not really living. But real life isn't like that. Being on this road will drain us and it will frustrate and disappoint us and make us tired. Staying faithful, maintaining joy in the Lord, isn't easily or quickly done. Christian pilgrimage is a long obedience in the same direction. That is why we travel. We need to keep looking up, keep putting the Lord God before our eyes. We want to draw near to him in the prayer of faith, We want to follow His Son, our Savior. We want to know His Word well, so that we can hear His voice. We look to the hills and beyond the hills, for that is where we want to go, to where God is. That is where our help will come from. Now we'll look at point two, look up to God when you need help. When you need help, who do you call? For me that usually depends on what I need help with. If I need help with getting an old couch out of the house, I'll call someone strong. If I need help with my tax return, I'll call someone who knows accounting because not just anyone can do these things. We turn to someone qualified to help because to help because being able to help because of their training or strength or experience. The worshipers in Psalm 121 do this too, for they confess in verse two, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Don't read over that confession too quickly. The God we trust isn't an average God or a limited God. Our God is not small. He does not have his hands tied when there is a world crisis. For our God is the true God. He is the king of all creation. He's the one who made the heavens and the earth. That means he can do anything. He can provide us with any necessary help. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 6. God created all things. He made the birds, the lilies, the grass. And God takes care of all these things. They're never outside his faithful supervision. He provides for them so that they're always well-fed and they're always finely dressed. And in that truth, there is an important lesson. For We are also God's creatures. Much more than that, we've been saved through the blood of His Son, and we're being remade in His image, and we're destined for glory. This is how precious we have become, for we know for certain God will take care of us too. That is good to remember, because while we're on this journey, you and I worry about a lot of things. Material things, for instance, Concerns about our job or our business might be at the forefront of our mind. And what happens when there's no more work coming in? Or what if you're laid off? Or what about the bills we have to pay? These are real concerns. But in these anxieties, God assures us that he'll provide, like he promised. You'll have enough. You won't go hungry. hungry. The Father will provide for you and your loved ones in all these things. How can he say that? Remember the confession, the reality. God is the maker of heaven and earth. He is the almighty God, and he has become your father in Christ. The Lord will help you, even if you're in the midst of trouble. This is what the worshippers sing. He will not allow your foot to be moved. Keep in mind that from every direction the road to Jerusalem was long and hard to travel. It wasn't four lanes smoothly paved and a Tim Hortons every hour. There were steep hills to climb, ravines to cross, hot and dusty plains to endure. To make it to Jerusalem took strength and determination. And that's a picture of the Christian life, isn't it? We often face a hard road. There might be illness and death, stresses and fears, and there might arise other dangers. Anything can happen on this journey. The future can look like a scary place. And there's so much that might knock us down, crush our desire to keep going. Sometimes we may feel like giving up on the journey. As our Lord said, it is not easy sticking to the stray road. It is a narrow and difficult way, Matthew 7, 14. Yet we have, a go- Yet we have God's sure promise. If we go with him, he is faithful. If we seek him, he will grant help. Those who make it depend on God will complete this journey only by his faithful care. On the rocky path, he will not let our foot slip. He will not let us fail. Point three, look up to God when you're in danger. Many good songs have a refrain. Psalm 121 does this too. In verse 3, we find this truth, He keeps you. Such a simple phrase, God keeps you. But the same thought occurs five times in this short psalm. God keeps you. God watches over you. God preserves you. When your strength begins to waver, God keeps you. When the journey seems too hard, God keeps you. Even when you feel alone and apart from God, He keeps you. And his care is intimate and constant. We read that in verses 3 and 4. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. You and I need to sleep when we're tired after a long day of work. Or we sleep when we feel lazy on a Sunday afternoon. But sleep, nice as it is, is part of our human weakness. We need help to recharge to restore our bodies and minds. But God does not. He is unsleeping, needs nothing, never tiring, always alert. He'll always be there watching 24-7, even when we're most vulnerable and weak. In his care for us, he does not slumber. He watches over you. Verse 5 repeats to protect, for the Lord your God is your shade on your right hand. What does this mean, the shade of God? In hot summer months, a shadow is a place of refreshment. This is why we seek out the shade of trees and we set up our umbrellas at the beach. Well, these pilgrims also knew that after a while of being on the road, the sun became oppressive. So we would have to pause in the shadow of a building or underneath some trees to get relief. In the same way, God's shadow offers that true relief. From all that can threaten us, God is our sure protection, a place of rest. He shades us. Therefore, in verse 6, it says, The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Anyone who's been sunburned knows the harm that the sun can bring. There can be painful peeling. But what about the dangers from the moon? The point isn't the physical harm from these heavenly lights, nor even the UV rays that come from the sun. The point is whether the sun is up or the moon is up, whether it's during the night or during the day, God will not allow anything to harm us apart from His good and perfect will. Whatever time it is, whatever is happening in the world, God will be our shade. He doesn't need sleep. He doesn't retire. He never changes in love. But in thinking God about God as our shade, Let us realize something important. You have to walk very close to someone for his shadow to fall on you. You have to be right next to someone to enjoy his shade. Beloved, if you're far from God, then you won't benefit from his presence. If you stray from his ways, God's protecting shadow will not help you. So we need to dwell in God's shadow and stay there. Seek out communion with the Lord every day in prayer and meditation and worship for safely in God's shadow then we'll find rest in our hardship and God will always shield us for there were other dangers on the road up to Jerusalem along that dusty path there was a the danger of robbers and bandits think of it Passover happened the same time every year so the robbers and bandits knew exactly when the next group of pilgrims was coming through They would be ready and waiting with their swords and their clubs. In a way, that's a lot like the temptations of Satan. He knows exactly when to strike, when to be busy, when we're stressed, when we're tired, when we're cut off from other people. Then we might already be leaning towards giving in to sin or returning to ungodly habits. He sees when we're growing impatient with our family, or ready to surrender to anger or a spirit of discontentment. Satan's ready to pounce, so we need to redouble our dependence on God. And we can defend, and we can depend on Him. This is underlined in verse seven: "The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. Understand this the right way. It doesn't mean we won't come into physical harm or temptation. Accidents happen. Illnesses strike, Christians die, Christians fall into sin. But in all things, he shall preserve you from evil. He, will, he shall preserve your soul. Your very soul is under God's protection. That promise is all-encompassing. The material things you need, the spiritual strength you're looking for, the emotional recharge, God will take care of all of it. For your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Matthew six, thirty-two. When life is uncertain, it's hard to let go. When much is unknown, it's difficult to surrender into God's care. But the Lord says very simply trust me, I will watch over you. I am your Father. Remember, I am your loving Father in Christ so trust me. We don't know what will happen tomorrow or next week or next year. So much can happen to us, good and bad. But whatever you do and, whatever, and wherever you go, we can look to God. Finally, we'll look at point four. Look up to God in all your coming and going. Maybe you can see why this psalm is so well-loved. There has been more than a few times in the past when I've chose to read, this, to read Psalm 121 at a home visit, and someone will say, this was the text at the funeral of my husband, or this was, that was my parents' wedding text. We turn to this psalm when visiting someone who's sick in the hospital or dying at home. This psalm has often been used at times of great distress and also times of great joy. In the last verse, the psalm speaks directly with God's promise for all of life. The Lord will preserve your going out and your coming in. When the Bible wants us to paint a picture of the entirety of life, it sometimes uses that phrase, our coming and going. This is the whole works. It is the entire journey, coming and going, departures and arrivals, our grand entrance and our quiet exit. Whatever happens in all your coming and going, and here's the refrain once more, God will preserve you, protecting, forgiving, teaching and blessing, and God will do it, uh, say the final words, from this time forth and forevermore. This is the destination we talked about earlier. Our life isn't just for working hard on our personal plans and goals. Maybe we have ambitions for ourselves, dreams for the future. Perhaps we want to get married, or finish school, or buy a house, or have children, or grow our business, or travel the world, or retire. Plans are fine, but God can certainly change our plans, and quickly. Good thing there's another goal, the one set before us by God. Reminds us that we're pilgrims, travelers on our way to eternity, longing to reach home with Him. So our entire life needs that purpose. The physical things you have, your gifts, the relationships you enjoy, all of it should be directed to that goal of reaching the glorious presence of God. To get there, we need to keep our eyes on Him. We want to gaze on God. We want to find our treasures in the Lord. We thirst for Him, even as part souls in a dry and weary land. Is that the destination you seek? Brothers and sisters, God gives us times of trouble so that we ask ourselves this very question. Are we traveling towards him? Is the, Lord, is the Lord one whom you find more glorious than anything? Is it to him that you lift your eyes? Next to Christ, this world and all its idols hold nothing lasting for us, nothing at all. For those who trust in him and who seek him daily God has prepared a city with lasting foundations. When we finally get there, there will no longer be pilgrim we will no longer be pilgrims, but residents, residents of the new Zion, the living God. So every day, remember to look up. Look up to God in Christ, for that is where your help is. It is in all your going out and your coming in, both now and forevermore. Amen. In response, we'll sing, standing from Psalm 121, stanzas 1 and 2.